Hey, Story Show podcast listeners, Jeremy here, along with Angie and Shane. We're kicking off our new season of the Story Show podcast by welcoming Scott Persig to the show. Scott was one of the storytellers from our 2019 Light My Fire Story Show. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. Scott let off the show, right? Scott closed Act One. Oh, was that... Yeah. Oh, yeah, you didn't open, you closed that door. Well, yeah. uh, the, you first, the first, first time I was on a story right. show, yeah. Yeah. Um, our next story show is in January, right? Yep. Second mm-hmm. Saturday in January. As always. And the theme is? Pass, Pass the, the plate. plate. Pass the plate. Shane, could you talk about the charity a little bit? Uh, the charity is Food for Backpacks. Food for Backpacks is a charity that uh, was started by some churches here in Albert Lee, and we support the... Uh, we support the elementary schools in town by providing uh, weekend meals for them. So they get two breakfasts, two lunch, and two snacks to try and um, supplement uh, food insecurity in their own homes. And so right now we're serving about 20% of the Albert Lee population, which is reflective of the kids who are on free and reduced lunch programs right now. And so uh, I think it is six, seven churches in town, along with some other organizations, help support that. And uh, we're really proud of the work that we've been doing. That's amazing. Yeah. It's some intense math, yeah. You like that? I was. <laughs> they teach me the stats so that when I walk out the door, I can do that. <laughs> it, it doesn't take much math to impress it. It doesn't. <laughs> I was like, dang, there's so many kids. <laughs> it is a lot of kids. It is. So we're really happy that there's people out there that care to feed them on the weekends. Nice. So. Well done. Yeah, so this is season five, believe it or not. And I think this is episode 37. Yeah, so. Wow. And uh, this week we're featuring Scott's story, Building Bridges, from the August show. And, um, yeah, so Scott, uh, this is your second time uh, on the story show, right? Mm-hmm. And right. both were wilderness stories. And actually both were uh, the same trip because we did had such a great time on our first trip, and we decided to do it again 10 years later. Yeah. And things didn't quite go as planned. <laughs> Yeah, the first one was kind of perfect, right? It was, yeah. It was just, it was just amazing. Everything from start to finish just seemed to be just like clockwork. And this is in the Quetico? No, this is in Wabakimi. Okay. And actually, the first time we went, I don't think uh, the majority of the Wabakimi Provincial Park was established at the time. Okay. And since then, it's been expanded quite a bit. I think it's seven times bigger than the Boundary Waters. Wow. Something like that. It's, it's, yeah, it's a very large area. Yeah. So when, when was your first trip to the wilderness? First trip was 1978. Um, I was just graduated high school, and a friend of mine talked me into going on a trip. He asked me like three, four times to go, ah, I really don't want to do it. And uh, so I went, and I was so green that first trip. I remember that. Um, I mean, this is embarrassing to say, but I thought the loons were wolves. <laughs> That's how little I knew. Um, so, uh, but I was hooked after that. I was totally hooked. There were six of us that went that year. The next year, just uh, my main canoeing buddy and I went, and then we never missed a year. We kept going and kept going and kept going. I feel so like things. nature works that way. People are either like, yeah, this is definitely part of my personality now, or like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> 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 Maybe three season porches are a cool idea. <laughs> like I mentioned in the, the first uh, show that I did, story show that I did, um, uh, 
we just kept looking to, you know, we went on our few, first few trips into the Boundary Waters, and then we went into the Quetico, which is a little bigger, and these were like 10, 12-day trips. And after a while, you just want to expand it and, and dig into an area that's even bigger and more remote, and we found that. We just kept going farther north into Canada and found the Wabakimi area, and really, that was a huge draw for us. We, my buddy and I went on these trips, and we decided to bring our wives along one year. And we thought, okay, we'll really show them, you know, the beauty of the wilderness, you know. So we picked up, we picked out this route. And at that time, we'd used an outfitter for some of our gear. And uh, he says, you're bringing your wives on this trip? (laughs) Yeah, you know. But um, it cut into a really awesome part of Quetico Park. But it was very hard to get to. There were portages that you kind of had to hop on rocks. And it was really tough. And... We didn't realize to them, and, and a lot of people, one lake looks just like the other lake. To us, every lake had a different feeling the farther we got in. Mm, okay. You know, it was the accomplishment, and it was the fact that, you know, in, in your mind, you kind of see yourself from above, and, hey, we're farther and farther and deeper into the wilderness. But to our wives, why didn't we just stay at the first lake? You know? <laughs> the first lake was just like the tenth lake. Yeah, I think some people just have that weird draw to, that they just want to cut into the wilderness as far as they can, and other people, it's they don't, you know. And like I say, for um, a canoe trip like the Boundary Waters, it, um, I haven't talked to anyone that didn't like it, that hated it. I've talked to people that have went and said, uh, I probably wouldn't go again, but I'm really glad I went. Mm, yeah. And But most people say, that was really cool. I want to. I want to go again. Shane, you did extended hiking on the Superior Hiking Trail. Yeah, but that's not as remote as the Boundary Waters. I mean, the, I felt alone. I mean, I was happy if I saw one or two people in a day. Whereas mm-hmm. you guys would go all day. And in fact, you talk about that in your story about seeing other people felt really foreign. Yeah, and that's that's in the Wabakimi area and what they call Crown Land up in Canada. If you go into the Boundary Waters. Um, chances are you'll run into people on occasion. You won't get that isolated feeling that we were pursuing back in those days. Um, it's still, you know, wonderful wilderness. I mean, there's two million acres with the, the American side and the Canadian side. But um, when we went up into Wabakimi, which is a larger area, I think out of all the trips I was counting, I think we went seven, eight times up in that area, and we saw one group of canoers the entire all those trips wow where you always see canoers in the boundary waters sure nothing not to take it away and from that and that's wonderful and it's a in it's a uh, wilderness experience but northern farther northern canada has a different feel to it sure. totally different feel well, i think one of the things i really appreciated about your story was the fact that it's not just about going out in the wilderness you're going out with somebody and how as that relationship has changed over time, it's reflective of the experience as well. You learn new things about each other. You dive deeper into that relationship and reliance with each other. People have a different perspective as to what they want to do on a wilderness trip and how they enjoy a wilderness trip. And I always felt so fortunate to find a person that had the same exact drive that I had. 
Yeah, and to find a travel partner. That's a yeah, rare gift in the it world. Really, it really is um, a challenge. And, and as we parted ways for several years, it was really hard trying to find someone. I, I found a lot of great trippers that I've went and become really good friends. But um, that, that drive to push on is just isn't there with most of the people. And, but, that, but that's okay. It's still every trip is enjoyable just in a different way. Kind of a postlude to this story. After you gave the story on the story show, right. something else happened. Right. Okay. So I, we gave uh, this story. The story show was on a Thursday night, and the story talks about my friendship um, and the departure of that friendship after so many great years together. Um, the story show was on a Thursday. That Sunday, I ran into him, and. Um, he walked up to me and said, hey, and he knew nothing about the story show and that I was in it or anything. And he said, I really think we should get together. And this is just days after <laughs> the show. And um, I said, really? And he says, yeah, let's, let's get together. So I decided, you know what? We're going to get together, and I'm going to read him that story. Oh, wow. So we got together at, at the park, at the state park, um, sat down. I read the story to him, made it through it, and uh, he was silent, and he said, he just said, wow, I think it's time we go on a trip again. I don't, I don't know how you got through it, because yeah. the emotions were pretty close to the surface for, for you. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't quite get through it, you know, yeah. I, it was, it was really tough, but, um, it was very therapeutic to write it, yeah. and um, it's all about. It's so strange when you write something like that, as you guys know. That it, it starts one direct. I never knew it would end up in that direction. I thought I was just talking about the trials and tribulations of the trip, and here it came out. It was about the friendship. Yeah. It just when I got done, it's like, wow, how did that happen? Where did that come from? And that was underneath, and it came to surface, and, and uh, you know, uh, it was a great experience writing it. Awesome. And then just days later to have it come yeah. full circle like that. You put a thing that. out into the universe. Yeah, exactly. What a, you know, days after. Years and years and years have passed, and then just days after I, I have the story that happened. You're a great storyteller, and the, the description that you use of the trip, I think, really draws people in. And if they haven't been there, they feel like they're there, you know. Well, if, if I can't convey anything else, I think I can convey my passion for it. I, you know, um, if you don't understand it or can't comprehend why someone would do it, I think you can feel that at least I do, you know, and... That's what I try to convey, is the passion I have for it. That's clear. Here's Scott Persig's Building Bridges from our August 2019 story show. Enjoy. Scott Persig lives in Albert Lee with his high school sweetheart, Sherry. You may see Scott gleefully carrying mail in the Shoreland Heights area every day. You walk in your spare time, he gets paid for it. 
Scott and Sherry have three grown sons in which they live vicariously through, partaking in their son's jobs, passions, adventures, and travels. Scott also has a passion for vacation and travel as well. Whether that travel is a solo canoe trip to a wilderness lake he's never been to, a trip anywhere with his wife, <laughs> visiting their son in Spain, or to a different NFL stadium every year with his sons to watch his beloved Vikings. His most treasured possessions in his life are the many accumulated memories these precious trips have provided. This is Building Bridges by Scott Persig. The wild north pulled us like nothing else. And I felt so fortunate to have a companion that shared my passion for the long demanding days of remote wilderness travel. My canoeing partner and I were preparing to relive our favorite wilderness adventure that had taken place 10 years prior deep in the northern Ontario wilderness, 100 miles away from any town or road where together we experienced an isolation and remoteness unequaled in the dozens of other trips we had shared. This was a special trip, a trip that starts with driving straight north into Canada until the road stops, putting the canoe in, and ends with getting picked up by a float plane 120 miles later. But just a few weeks before leaving on this 10th anniversary trip, I was told by a Canadian government official a logging bridge had been built right in the heart of my favorite wilderness. I was afraid that seeing a road and bridge after delving deeper and deeper into the wilderness might feel like being placed right back at the start. Regardless, the fire was already lit within us to try and recapture the essence and excitement of that first trip, logging bridge or not. It was early September 2004 when we headed north once more. Before getting in the water, we met with our pilot to arrange where he'd pick us up at the end of the trip and then embarked on our journey. That first day canoeing, all 20 miles, we barreled right in the, t in the teeth of the wind, but we decided together not to let the wind or anything else slow us down. When to have lunch, how to navigate, when to camp, or any other decision is never an event with my partner. We shared a virtual non-verbal communication experienced by few wilderness trippers, a bond born at the age of five, solidified by years of friendship. Our pilot had told us that the water level was higher than he'd ever seen it at that time of the year. Plus, the arms of recent windstorms had shoved a number of trees onto the ground like a bully. Campsites underwater, shores of the lake starting in the trees, rivers overflowing their banks would present tough challenges. The higher water also meant that portaging, carrying our canoe and gear on the land that connected one body of water to the next, would be a mystery and possibly even a hindrance to our travel. As I crawled into my sleeping bag that first night, I worried about all those things. But I reminded myself the main pull for me was the solitude and remoteness of this area. And that first 20 miles were absent of any sign of man. That brought on a smile as I drifted off to sleep. After several days of isolated wilderness travel, we passed a fly-in cabin where we chatted with a fisherman 10 years prior. This time there was no signs of anyone, so we headed on up the channel. Entering the upper part of the river with apprehension and excitement, we encountered fast water flowing well over the banks. The speed and swirling current meant keeping the canoe safe and away from danger would be an intimidating risk. As we rounded a bend before the portage, we saw it. The bridge. A strange, ugly, disgusting sight. Right there, several days, 70 miles from our start, right in the heart of our journey. 
It seemed so out of place. A pit formed in my stomach knowing a wonderful wilderness canoe route had been changed forever. We unloaded our gear, threw it on our backs, and started portaging down the faint trail that would cross the road, but the trees and debris shoved out of the way to make the road obstructed the path. We had to climb over fallen trees, crawl under others, and zigzag our way all the way through the mess just to reach the road. We hadn't gone far before seeing the clear-cut devastation the logging had done to this formerly untouched, isolated wilderness. It was sickening. We made our way back to our gear in silence. Finally getting all of our gear to the road, we realized the mess was even worse on the other side. We looked down the river to see if we could somehow navigate it, but it was just too fast and had too many sweeps down trees stretching into the river to even consider putting in. We then spent precious fatigue-filled hours making minuscule progress trying to portage on a trail that was no longer there. We needed a new plan. We couldn't walk the river. It was too deep and fast-moving. We couldn't line the canoe since the water was so high there was no way to walk along the shore. We decided to load the canoe, get in, and grab the trees and foliage at river's edge to guide ourselves slowly down the river. This worked for a while until the current, swirling around a sweep, latched onto our canoe and pulled the foliage right out of our hands, propelling us right into the center of the raging current. As the water raged around us, we picked up speed. Without a suitable place to bail out on the shore, we barreled down the river, striking logs and debris along the way. While looking at the shore for a landing opportunity, we stuck a rock in the current. Helpless and frightened, we watched as the rock finally let go when our back end had swung all the way around and headed downstream. We were now forced to navigate this ranging horseshoe of a river backwards. We had learned all sorts of canoeing skills through the years, but traveling backwards in a raging river was not one of them. We knew we'd soon strike another rock or sweep and be thrown from our craft into the violent rush of water. Out of necessity, that shared sixth sense of ours kicked in as we made split-second decisions together without saying a word. We waited, held on, leaned, paddled, and somehow, some way, we kept the canoe right side up. When we made it to shore, shaken, frightened, and exhausted, we unloaded the canoe knowing we were stuck. What to do? We tried portaging again through passages now so narrow between the trees that one had to put the canoe on end just to pass through. I kept my head down and portaged on, lost in my thoughts about how this all went wrong. It all started with the news about the bridge weeks ago. As evening settled in, I looked up and realized my partner was gone. I yelled for him. No response. I collapsed on the forest floor. We had agreed to keep the water in view so we wouldn't get lost, so where was he? Unbeknownst to me, he had made it to the end of the portage. Unbeknownst to him, I was not going another foot forward. Turning back meant a seemingly impossible trudge over the land we'd just covered, but at least we knew what awaited us. We didn't know what was ahead on that river, and this was just the beginning. It had become too scary to be even worth it. When we connected again, he was excited because he'd finally made it to the end of the portage and wanted to continue. It was a rare event, differing views on what to do. But upon seeing my determination, we made the mutual decision to turn back the following morning. In the dark, we eventually found a measly, unlevel spot to set up the tent. Dejected, we grabbed some granola bars and a bit of trail mix for supper and 
crawled into the tent to sleep. That night was the first time I truly felt angry on one of my wilderness trips. Angry with ourselves for getting in the middle of that mess. We should have turned back when we saw the dangerously high water and how that damned road had screwed up the portage. And angry and sad because we couldn't complete our journey and were perhaps never again see the beauty that lay in the land ahead. After a restless night, we got up at first light to try and somehow portage out. We were deliberate and we worked together, encouraging each other all along. We had such a bond, even facing such a daunting task. Standing beside the packs and canoe catching my breath, I heard a strange sound. As I glared through the maze of trees, I couldn't believe what I saw. It was dust swirling from a logging truck. We shouted for joy, knowing we'd made it back to the bridge. But what a strange, confusing feeling. The very sight that disgusted us just the day before now it has whooping for joy. As we entered the river, we dug in against the current and made good time. A breeze picked up behind our backs, and suddenly things seemed easier. We wanted to make it back to that fly-in cabin to see if it had a two-way radio to contact our pilot, informing him that we wouldn't be at the designated lake for pickup. Otherwise, we would have to continue the long paddle back, placing all sorts of worry on our pilot and our families. Reaching the unoccupied cabin, we walked in and were overjoyed spotting the radio. Hello? Is anyone there? We said. Nothing. Suddenly the radio came to life, but not a friendly welcoming tone and accusing, Hello, this is base. Um, who is this calling from our unoccupied outpost? Uh-oh. We shared a mischievous glance. As kids, our first reaction, no matter how much trouble we were in together, had always been to laugh. Now, decades later, we found ourselves unable to speak, gasping for air as we fought to contain that same sort of laughter. When we finally caught our breath, we explained. Upon hearing our plight, the operator softened and agreed to contact our pilot for pickup the next day. But under no circumstances were to stay in the cabin. We could pitch our tent somewhere outside. A quick glance between us confirmed that when that call ended, we would immediately haul our stuff in. <laughs> As we settled into the cabin for our last night, talking about the trip, we laughed as we imagined what it would have looked like from shore, two foolish voyagers cruising down that raging river backwards. <laughs> we made a vow that night to make the trip together again after another 10 years. Sadly, that 10 year anniversary came and went several years ago. I'd become estranged from my canoeing partner by then a friendship hitting some high water and intimidating turns, not unlike those fearful days on the river. And years of neglect pulled my friend and I further and further apart. The 20 year anniversary of that trip now approaches. Just like the perfect wilderness route that changed with the bridge, time changed my relationship with my Voyager friend as well. It's been years since our last trip, but there's no doubt in my mind we would still share that unspoken bond and could pick it up right away. Maybe a new bridge can be built, one not made of wood or steel, one that's made of forgiveness, loyalty, and shared experience. Perhaps just a small kindling of those suppressed traits can spark that passion
and friendship once again. We're older and wiser now. And I know that if we went back in time, we could use that maturity and wisdom to fix the mistakes and poor decisions we made on that fateful voyage years ago. And just maybe, if we would try, we might use it to fix a broken friendship as well. The Light My Fire Story Show is produced by Angie Zoller Barker, Shane Kepke, and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. Check out our webpage at thestoryshow.org and please share our podcast with your friends. They can find us wherever people listen to podcasts by searching for The Story Show in quotes. Thanks. <laughs>